Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones which deliver 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still hear your surroundings for safety, and an open ear design which means you don't get that achy feeling from wearing them for extended periods. I used these on my 100 mile wilderness run, and if you're curious, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance. Pillar, spelled P-I-L-L-A-R, is a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you'd like to try Pillar today and you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, use the same code for the same discount, but a different link. Use pillarperformance.shop. Finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancakes. They've been at the center of so many memorable post-long run breakfasts. They don't just taste great. It's 100% whole grain. There's 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. Go over to their website. Get yourself a few boxes of the mix. In the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get to the show. All right, Esther Chilog, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. So you strike me as one of those athletes in our sport that is very committed to the craft. You, you know, it looks like you, you're working with a nutritionist for races like Western States. There's videos of you on social media doing all this weight and resistance training on various podcasts. You talk about, you know, going back to the road marathon, for example, to get faster so that you can bring that back to the ultra scene. And I think what I want to ask you about all that is, uh, can you, Talk about the moment in your trail running career where your mindset changed and you decided that you really wanted to take this sport very seriously. What was that moment? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I like that you use it as a craft. But um, I, that moment was for me 2021 CCC. It was four and a half months after I gave birth to Noemi. And yeah, um, I got fourth. The time was not really great, but yeah, just uh, just that I was fourth at CCC, and it was like so, like short time after I gave birth that like it gave me an image like a huge boost. And after I think I started to be more and more committed, and yeah, things. Things then went a bit more quicker after that. Yeah, it, it can't be overlooked that in in the process of getting fourth place, you know, the context was, you know, like you mentioned, four, four months after giving birth, an, an incredible feat. I think one more question I want to ask you there is when you, when you get a result like that, when you get fourth place at CCC, perhaps the most important 100K race in our sport, does your does your interest in becoming more involved in the sport, does it come out of pressure because you feel like you, you have this gift and it's sort of your duty to, 
to live it out to the best of your ability? Or are you someone that just loves the sport? And when you got that kind of result, you're like, great. You know, I was looking for that. And and now I have an opportunity to invest even further. So is it like more it, pressure I, or joy? Yeah, it's absolute joy. I, I, I don't take any pressure. I think it's like, yeah, it's, it's joy. I, I then, when I decide to do something, I, I, I can be very serious and I am committed. So for sure, and here that craft thing comes in, what you just mentioned at the beginning, that I will try to, you know, to approach one thing from different sides to make sure everything is, 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 is well prepared. But for sure, it's, it's joy, like, for me, that day was, you know, it was such an unexpected result, and it was, I was, I was just so happy, and I think that just, like, you know, that kind of happiness that pushed me forward, and yeah, just kept me going, yeah. uh, and trying to explore what else I can do. There's one question that I want to ask you about your background before we talk more about your preparation for UTMB and expectations there and whatnot. Um, from what I understand, just from previous interviews you've done, your your husband, your partner, is a foreign diplomat for Hungary, and that that's part of the reason why you know you've been based over in Hong Kong. And I also find it interesting that you know you've you've taken on this work with the Pro Trail Runners Association recently. Did did that inspiration to work for the the Pro Trail Runners Association? Does any of that interest come from just your experience? You know, seeing your partner do his work in the political field and, and wanting to be involved in the politics of our sport in a similar way? I never did that connection. Uh, I think I just, I, I just um, felt like that I want to do something and maybe it's something that um, I can do well uh, because I'm used to do these kind of things. So uh it's like a situation where I feel like fine, like dealing with different parties or situations or or, yeah. or challenges. So yeah, but I never made that connection. <laughs> Were you pretty instrumental or involved in the uh, the new pregnancy policy for you, Timby? I'm just I'm just thinking back to you know your experience of running the race in 2021, finishing fourth, four months after delivering a child. Were you? on the front lines of that new policy just because of your firsthand experience? Yes. I mean, I was, I was, I was involved in that and, um, and I'm, I'm part of the women equality working group. And I, I was also part of that, um, the development in, uh, of that policy. Um, and, um, yeah, so that year I was actually signed up also for Valderan and I didn't go. Um, I got refunded like partially and I went for CCC. Um, it's like, I, I don't, I, I, at that time I was fine, but yeah, when things like you start to share with other women and you understand that actually this is, this shouldn't be the norm, then it's mm. really nice to speak up, work together and make things change and make a better world for other women. Talking about how you train for these type of races for a moment, uh, from what I understand, a lot of your training is done in Hong Kong, although at times you do return to Europe and do training there. Uh, I think a lot of listeners of the show might not be very familiar with the 
Southeastern Asia trail running scene. So, uh, talk about what makes training and, and the lifestyle in, in Hong Kong. So cool for those that are not familiar, like what do you, what's special about that scene? What makes you interested to get out the door and run those trails every day? It's an amazing scene. Like the trail running community in Hong Kong is amazing. And, uh, the, the trail running events in Southeast Asia are quite different from Europe, but they are really amazing. And, you know, you can explore the nature uh, you can go and run the races in the jungle uh, or in places where otherwise you cannot get. So it's it's really an, another kind, another way to explore like the region. And in Hong Kong, many people think it's like a city with skyscrapers, but actually 40% of the city is green and um, the trails are really well organized and marked. So it's absolutely safe to run alone and you have Hong Kong Island you have new territories and Lantau the different islands where you can run so it's really like uh, it's a really beautiful place to run during summertime is tough because of the humidity and during winter time is amazing because in most of the countries you (laughs) there is winter and here it's actually they say it's winter but it's like 20 25 degrees and often like sunshine and and not that humid. So it's an absolute perfect place to run. And you have the beaches, uh, you have the mountains, and then you can look down on the city, but then you go back into the into the forest. So it's 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 an amazing place uh to train. If you could promote one or two races in Hong Kong to encourage listeners and viewers of this podcast to check out, what would they be and why? Well, the next one will be Translantau, end of October, which is by UTMB. And for sure, like uh, for Hong Kong runners, the other very important race is Hong Kong 100, which is at the beginning of the race, uh, of the year, sorry, uh, like end of January. Uh, that's that's also a big event. Cool. I, I would say this too, but there are many others. Like we have races every weekend. Right on. Well, talking more about UTMB now, and I certainly don't want to overlook the fact that you had an incredible performance at Western States earlier this summer, but I do want to focus on UTMB. You mentioned the fourth at CCC two years ago, fifth at UTMB last year. What have you learned about yourself in these past couple of performances at UTMB, and and what have you decided to work on uh, in this training block to improve on last year's results? This year was all about Western States, so it was all about speed. Uh, um, and then after Western States, I qualified for UTMB. Uh, prior to that, I, I, I signed up for OCC. So it was just after Western States that um, I just felt that I am in great shape, how my body feels, how my mind, like how mentally I'm feeling, and yeah, if I'm ready to to do uh, the right training block and then do a long race, which is longer than Western States. And I just felt ready and I wanted to do that. And yeah, here I am. <laughs> what were the most important things that you wanted to work on for this year's UTMB? Like when you think about your performance at this race last year and what went well, what you felt like you could have improved on, what were you trying to work on in, you know, 
uh, you know, July last month and earlier this month in August to uh, maybe to be more ready or to be more dialed for for this year? Yeah, I think like last you, last year, UTMB was my first hundred mile race, and that time in that moment of my let's call it trail running career, uh, it was a perfect race. Like it was something that I executed how I planned it. So for me, it was a dream race. Uh, now what changes that I grew as a runner? I'm different. I went. I have more experience. So. Um, yeah, I probably uh, approached the whole race in a different way, but that's because I, I changed throughout this year. And what I wanted to be at, like, after Western States, I thought, okay, basically, if I'm smart enough, Western States can work as a good tempo run, the last long tempo run before UTMB. And then I need to work uh, on the verticals, like have the elevation, uh, you know, get used to use the pose again. And also yeah. like uh, not overdoing it. So I had to do a good training book, but keeping in mind that I did a hundred mile. So I don't want to burn myself during the training block, but just get ready and fit for the start line. So mm. that was a very interesting balance to, to, to do. And yeah, I think we... We, we managed to do that, so I'm kind of happy and satisfied how these past few weeks went. Thanks to Brooks for their support of our UTMB coverage. I used their Cascadia H shoe way back in 2014 when I was introduced to trails via my thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail. So this is pretty cool. I've been wearing lately their new high point collection in the field, particularly their waterproof rain jacket and pants, as well as the new and improved Cascadia 17 shoe. The style and the performance across the board are all on point. I even wear that waterproof rain jacket sometimes during these interviews. Check it all out over at brooksrunning.com forward slash single track. Also thanks to Morton. 80% of my run of the 100 mile wilderness earlier this month was supplied by Morton. I used 25 of their hydrogels, 10 of their 225C bars. They all went down easy. There was no pallet fatigue. And they made me feel good because it's all natural ingredients. These are the same products used by top athletes like Tom Evans and Killian Jornet. So head over to Morton.com to take a look at what they got and try some for yourself. And finally, thank you to Features, makers of my favorite trail running socks. They're durable, they're comfortable, they're stylish, and they're trusted by, again, many of the best athletes in our sport. If you'd like to give them a try, head over to their website, grab a few pairs, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. That's exciting to hear. Really cool. Um, and actually, you know, it segues into one more thing I wanted to ask you about, which is you mentioned on social media, I think it was on Instagram a couple days or weeks ago, that you see yourself as playing with fire when it comes to attempting this Western States UTMB double. And when you think about that, you know, one thing I'm personally curious about is you look at somebody like Courtney DeWalter, for example, who, you know, ran extremely well at Western States, did it again, caught lightning in a bottle at Hard Rock, and then she's going to line up for UTMB as well. When you see her doing that, does that change the calculation for you? Like, does that make this double feel more 
doable when there's other competitors on the line that have you know a similar if not larger amount of these big races in their legs already La- i love courtney she's amazing but the race hasn't happened yet and um as an art historian i am good in research so i have pretty much done my work in the past who did the double and what how that like impacted uh them so yeah. i'm more focusing uh, on that data which happened in the past rather than what will happen in the future. Uh, so that is where I'm saying, yeah, I'm playing with the fire because I can't, I can't say names who hasn't been running since then. You know, I don't want yeah. that happens to me. And in that sense, I'm saying, yeah, it doesn't matter how I'm performing during the race. I just want to keep running. That's basically, that's my, like, all the racing comes after. Uh, and Fascinating. Yeah, so that's, that, that is where, yeah, that is where my thinking is staying, yeah. I have to ask you, and, and I love that you've, you've done all the research and, and you really deeply know the history of, of what it takes to do this well. What has been the most interesting data to you about this Western States UTMB double? Like when you look at, past performances, certain athletes, what has stuck out to you as, as very interesting and why? There are people who, who did great at both. Uh, for example, Kilian Jornet or Marianne Hogan, right? So yeah. uh, there are, or even, even Emily Hedgewood, I have to say that like she's a runner who performed great at both and she kept running uh, without injury. So, for example, she's a great example uh, to look at. Um, for sure, like Best Pascal, like that year when she won Western States, everyone yeah. was talking about how like she was in great shape and whatsoever. But then you see her just biking since then. I don't know her, so I, ha- I am not in the position to talk. I'm just seeing that, that you know, it... Um, yeah, these these are things that m- might scare you. So I think yeah. you have like examples from both sides. Um, and here comes in that you need to know your body. And with trail running, especially with ultras, it's so much about like being in aligned with your body and uh, and also being able to say no when it it feels like it's not the right thing to do. Uh, but I also felt that I, I have been holding on this year, just focusing on Western States. So I can, I can try and do it now. I agree completely. I think those are excellent insights. And I think for a lot of these athletes, even the ones that have done it successfully and, and remain, you know, major names in the sport, it's, it's very hard to contextualize where you are as an athlete in the moment and to get a good broader sense of whether, you know, this race is going to benefit you or it's going to cost you long-term. And that's part of what makes, I think this race and this double so alluring and so interesting to go after. Um, last question that I want to ask you is just about, uh, any additional expectations for this race that, you know, obviously when I see your name on the start line, I think that you'll be able to compete with anybody in this race 
do you feel the same? Like, do you feel, for example, that you're in a position where you could improve on last year's result and, you know, a podium position, for example, uh, or even competing for the win is something that you feel is possible? There was a book where about trail running where it was saying like you, I do, it's the win is it cannot be your goal because <laughs> if you are in a race and you are not winning, then there you have no more purpose to keep going. So after Western States, I think this time my goal is that this is an occasion that I didn't plan. I am very happy with how my summer uh, like um, uh, evolved uh, with Western States. And I, I want to play more. Uh, I want to enjoy the play more. Um, I think I have nothing to lose. So these are my, my mindset that I have when I will go to the start line. And for sure, being grateful that, yeah, uh, I can do that. Awesome. Well, Esther, it's been a pleasure to meet you. It's been a pleasure to chat. I really appreciate all of your perspective. We're wishing you well on race day. We'll make sure to link to all of your social media in the show notes. Is there anything final that you want to say? Any any final thoughts? or uh, Just to enjoy the trails and be happy. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for having me.